Hello and welcome to Adulting Anonymous. My name is Kutai, your host, and I'm so glad you could tune in and listen to this episode. If you are new here or if you're returning and you just don't know, Adulting Anonymous is a platform where we tackle conversations that normal adults don't want to do on a daily basis. And we basically just tackle these conversations in an aim to assist you or to just make you feel like you are not alone. So on today's episode, I'm excited because we are discussing a topic that is close to my heart. And if you've been following us, we've already had two episodes on this topic this month. And May is the month, is Mental Health Awareness Month. And we thought, what a better way to end off the month than bringing a qualified psychologist to help us with our mental health and to just shed some light on different aspects to this wide topic. So today on my podcast, I am joined by Dr. Lisa and Before we go into anything, I'm just going to hand over to her and she's going to introduce herself. Thank you. It's lovely to be on your podcast today. Um, I'm a counseling psychologist. I've practices in Northcliffe and in Kailami. And um, I have a special interest in trauma and obviously in, in, in mental health. So it's wonderful to be able to talk about mental health, especially um during this particular time that we're finding ourselves in and where mental health in particular is being challenged. Thank you for introducing yourself. So before we dive into, like you mentioned, a very important thing of mental health in during COVID-19, before we dive into that, can I please just ask, how did you become a counseling psychologist? Was it something that you always wanted to do um, or like what, what drove you to this career? Sure, that's an interesting question. And um, since I am like almost 50 years old, I really now have to call my memory back. Well, um, I always found myself in a position where all my friends came to me to talk about their problems. And um, and yes, then it just so so happened that I started to study psychology. I wanted to actually become a dentist or a physiotherapist, wow. <laughs> and then I was okay. in so you've always wanted to help people. <laughs> yes. That's a common trend, yeah. Yes, and, and I was too late for the selection, so I started psychology, And but today I know that that was my particular path. But I, ah, uh, it's part of my purpose to help people from here to there, wherever here is and wherever there is. Wherever there is. Yes. Ah, that's so beautiful. It's, that is beautiful. So um, that's interesting because, like, you know, people always say, I wanted to be an accountant, and then they end up becoming something that's totally outside, let's say, numbers. But you are, like, dentist, psychologist, so basically there's a common trend there. So yes. well done. <laughs> well done. So um, just to dive into the conversation, can you please tell us from an expert's point of view, for anyone who's listening and has no idea, or cannot identify what is, in your words, what is mental health? And I guess you can also just dive into the different types of mental illnesses that may be there, that are there. Okay. So mental health refers to cognitive, behavioral, and emotional well-being. In other words, it's all about how people think, feel, and behave. And um, 
according to the World Health Organization, mental health is a state of well-being in which an individual realizes his or her own abilities, can cope with normal stresses of life, can work productively, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. Okay. So mental health affects our daily living, our relationships, our physical being. Okay. In fact, mm. it affects our whole being in the world. And that is why yeah. I believe that mental illness is the worst kind of illness to have because, you know, it, it, affects, everything. it affects everything. Literally our being mm. in this world. You know, um, yeah. So I'm getting, I'm getting a trend of holistic wellness. When you say that our physical, our emotional, our mental, it's like a whole holistic wellness that needs to be present in one's body or in one's being yes. to ensure that you are mentally healthy. Absolutely, okay. it's it, and and it depends on a delicate balance of factors. You know, there's various factors in our lives that can contribute to a disruption in our mental health, like ongoing financial concerns, problematic interpersonal relationships, social isolation, socioeconomic conditions such as availability of employment, work-related mm. factors, physical illness, um, mm. chronic pain, death of loved ones, you know, genetic family history, all of those okay. things. And viruses. <laughs> and viruses. And viruses. <laughs> COVID. COVID-19. <laughs> okay. So you've spoken, you've spoken actually um, on something important, which is the causes of mental illnesses. I want to just take a step back. What types of mental illnesses are there out there? Okay. So I know. Yeah. So there, there are so many, you know, and historically, mm. the two broad categories of mental disorders are neurosis and psychosis. And okay. neurosis, you know, being defined as a chronic disorder characterized mainly by anxiety. And then psychosis, um, which is defined as grossly impaired reality testing, where people mm -hmm. incorrectly evaluate the accuracy of their own perceptions and thoughts. You know, um, mm -hmm. but if we look at the most common types of mental disorders, those would be anxiety disorders and mood disorders. Mm. Mm. Okay, that is so interesting. Thank you for sharing. Very insightful. Mm. Um, I also just want to ask in these, like you've mentioned a few mental illnesses, you've mentioned the causes, but there's also... I know I come from a background where most people don't believe that mental illnesses or mental, when you like anxiety, depression, they don't believe it's a thing. They, mm. they either label you as being lazy or you just don't want to talk to people or you're being rude. When What would you say are the, let's say, the most common stigmas surrounding mental health that you've come across as a professional? Yeah, so there are three major stigmas, you know, and that's been identified in studies particular and that I've seen in my practices as well. And just in general, you know, it's almost on the one hand, there's the people with mental illness should be feared and kept out of communities, you know. Um, wow. There's the thing that severe mental illness, people with severe mental illness are irresponsible, so they should not be allowed wow. to make decisions you know, mm. and people should make it for them. And that people with mental illness are childlike and need to be cared for. 
And um, it also seems like the public, you know, tends to disapprove of persons with psychiatric disabilities much more than people who have physical illnesses. Yes, I was about to say, like, if you are going to say a person with a mental illness is dangerous or is not responsible enough, have you ever looked at a person with a broken leg and said, oh, my gosh, you are now suddenly dangerous to society or you are irresponsible. So there's a lot of misconception. Thank you for sharing those stigmas. Mm -hmm. And I guess, how do you think we can debug these stigmas? How can we, you know, just get to a point where everyone knows that this is really not the case? it's, It's about education, 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 because that is what banishes ignorance and provides information so that the public can make more informed decisions over mental illness. And it it has been shown that participation in education programs on mental illness has led to improved Mm -hmm. attitudes. Um, And Mm -hmm. it is also shown that stigma is reduced significantly when members of the general public meet people with mental illnesses who are able to hold down jobs or live as good citizens in the community. You know, and I also think if if you're a person suffering with mental illness, you know, to take it upon yourself to educate people where you wherever you go. First start with your family and educate them, you know, and 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 colleagues at work so that they can see, hey, this is just a human being and she is very capable of doing her job, a normal a normal human being. Yes, she suffers with anxiety or maybe she's bipolar one or bipolar two. But she, you know, is a well-functioning, successful person, even though she's suffering with mental illness. You know? That is so powerful. That is powerful. There is power. I always say there is power in sharing your story. You know, like you never know who, like what your contribution to demitting these stigmas is. That is so powerful. So you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, you mentioned that viruses (laughs) can (laughs) be, uh, especially in the age that we're living in today. I mean, we were recently, not recently, but we are in lockdown and it's not just specific to South Africa alone, but the the world has been in lockdown. And whilst many countries... um, are lifting the lockdowns and some have been declared corona-free. Um, I did notice that there were articles um, that was um, that there were articles that were sur- um, that were in surfacing or being shared from different news outlets, um, stating that the mental health effects of COVID nineteen are actually a health crisis. You know, yes, and um, that there's obviously been a huge spike in uh, mental illness numbers and just how people are struggling during this period so would you like to um walk us or would you like to walk us around how a virus can cause someone mental illness and i guess you can just share a bit of insights considering you're the professional okay so so if if we just take the whole working from home thing the financial stress thing the social distancing thing that has come mm. along with with the whole pandemic. Let's take working from home. You know, now for many people, mm. it has been a blessing not having to navigate traffic and being comfy at home, surrounded by pets and family. But for others, it has been mm. extremely stressful, especially for three groups of people. I think you know, namely, like working mothers having to homeschool yes. their offspring, meet deadlines, do all the housework. 
you know, being these super moms and super women, you know, um, yes. who might or not even might because there are many of my patients who are feeling this, you know, so I've mm. got evidence of it. They're feeling overwhelmed. They're feeling irritable, anxious, depressed, yeah. you know, and yeah. also extroverts are really battling because they thrive on the company of co-workers during the day. And they yes. find it difficult to work Those on Those coffee breaks, the yes, smoke breaks, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. And then single people living on their own, you know. Um, yes, I'm who, one of them. <laughs> yes, you know. <laughs> and, um, and, and who used to completely rely on work for contact with other human beings are feeling very yeah, lonely yeah. and isolated and depressed. And, and I hope you're not mm. feeling as bad as some of my patients are no no I I I have my days I have my Uh, days I have days where I wake up and it just feels like it's okay like this is all you have known and then I have days when I wake up and I don't even want to video call I don't want to chat I'm just so Mm. miserable so it it definitely has different days yes you know um, and, and we'll talk just now, perhaps we can talk about what to do with that. And But another yes. thing, yeah, another thing is the financial stress. And it's probably been mm. the number one stress during lockdown. And it's getting worse as lockdown sort of continues, you know. I mean, initially we thought yeah. that it was only going to be, what was it at first, three weeks, you know. And, yes. and I mean, it's been how many weeks now with, you know, many small businesses have had to close down. Many people have lost yeah. their jobs. Many have had to settle for a salary cut. And they mm-hmm. have been ex- mm-hmm. have been experiencing severe anxiety, feelings of helplessness, hopelessness, depression. And mm. then, yeah. This- That's very important. Like we can just, if we can just focus on the financial aspect. Mm. I think what makes people sane is knowing that they can control their ability to contribute to their livelihoods, right? And what this virus has done is it has robbed certain people, most people of this comfort or this surety Mm. to say, you know what, tomorrow I can wake up, I can go open my store, I can go and sell ABC and I'll be able to have income to survive. So they've been robbed of of this ability and I guess also just not knowing when it will resume or when things will get back to normal in inverted commas, because we don't know if things will get back to normal. And I guess, um, would you say like uncertainty is Mm. one of the, is one of the contributors to you feeling anxious and obviously other illnesses that may come with anxiety as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the, 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 the uncertainty of unpredictability, you know, so mm. if we knew, you know, by the end of the month, this is what I do, this is what I'll be able to earn, this is what I'll be able to do, it's going to be over, this is how mm. it's going to look like. But we have none of that. We don't know when we're going to move yeah. from phase four to phase three and, you know, are we then mm. going to go back to phase five, you know. Um, mm. So absolutely, Un- uncertainty okay. is not good for us. <laughs> It's not good for human beings. Um, I always say on my podcast, um, for me, what has been, what has helped me with uncertainty and obviously the unpredictability element of um, the, that has come with this virus is just surrendering um, my ability to control, knowing that I don't belong to myself. So in my instance, I am a Christian, mm. and so I surrender my life to God. And I always encourage people, de- depending on um, 
with the higher spirit or the higher power that you believe in. Mm. I guess it's just always to believe that things will work out um, eventually to work out for your good and try to look at the just shifting your perspective and just always staying positive would help, you know, like in as much as uncertainty can have negative effects Mm. and negative outcomes. Mm. If you try to think of uncertainty and that the event, the eventual outcome being positive, it also keeps you going. It helps you, but I am no expert. Mm. Hence I'm here with you. (laughs) And I guess you can then just help us navigate what, can we do to obviously to take on the effect of uncertainty in the midst of a virus um what daily habits do you think we can adapt to mm. ensure we to ensure sound mental health mm. well I, th- I think you know just to add on to what you've said i think we must realize and say to ourselves you know this too shall pass and we need to to then you know sort of Think of all those things that we can still control. You know, we mm. can control our attitude. You know, um, mm, 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 we, we 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 can control our our daily routine. You know, we mm. can control whether we decide to do some self care and and be good to ourselves and be kind to others and to reach mm-hmm. out to others and to you know have those certain family activities and so so there are many things that we can control and to to Mm. focus to focus on those you know but I think one of the first things that we need to do is just to own and name our difficult emotions because lockdown with all its challenges and the uncertainties bring up many difficult emotions you know because we can't use busyness to run or hide from our emotions um, and we, and we, and when we run from them, we can't deal with them. We can't deal with them, then you know, and and we have to mm-hmm. view them as important and name them. When we don't own our difficult emotions, it also becomes more difficult to own our positive emotions like joy and gratitude and enthusiasm. Wow. And when wow. we, yeah, and when we have the courage to be present to these difficult emotions. That helps us to gain a sense of control and to feel less overwhelmed by these emotions. You see. Oh, wow. That is so powerful. Like naming your neck. Ne- I've never actually looked at it from that perspective. Mm. That when you're comfortable with naming your negative emotions, that also open, um, opens room and way for you to actually name the positive yes. ones. That is so powerful. Yeah. That is powerful. So. And and you know, oh, what, thank you for sharing. Yeah, you know, I, I just mm-hmm. want to add what's wonderful about that is as we continue to bring ourselves back to this uncomfortable space of difficult emotions, we start to develop our tolerance for being in difficult places, not running away from it wow. or denying it, but facing it. Mm-hmm. And this is what is known as resilience. Wow. Wow. Okay. Because I think we are always trying to run away from the difficult situations. I guess I I can speak for myself and say that is true. Um, Always running. Okay. So Mm. it also builds resilience. That is powerful. That is powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I also just wanted to ask, you hold therapy sessions in your practices as well. And I guess that helps. Um, it's, It's one of the leading ways we can cope with different mental illnesses like anxiety what does therapy entail like you don't have to go into detail but then just to tell us if I wanted to go for therapy what can I expect and I guess you can also just touch on 
the different types of treatments one can go through. Because I know um, in my previous podcast, I spoke to people about how I was prescribed antidepressants, mm. you know, the different pills. So what's the ratio between pills and therapy? What works? What doesn't work? I know mm-hmm. the, best co- the, the best answer is the combination of both. But I guess you can just tell us from, we can start with the what to expect when I go for therapy. Okay, so so what you expect expect will will depend on 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 the problem and and how the problem is diagnosed. Because remember, some people might just anxiety is a normal um, part of life, or some days feeling depressed and down is a normal part of life. But then, depending on the intensity. Um, and the pervasiveness mm-hmm. of that, you know, then it beca- can become a disorder. And when it's a disorder and, and really debilitating in, in one's life, you know, then if you come to me, I will also probably suggest that you do go on, on, on medication, either um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, antidepressants um, or, or, or just anti-anxiety medication you know but Mm. but that's never enough you know because one has Mm. to change the way that you think about think about things and and as a Mm. therapist I would then like to notice what the patterns are in your thinking or what kind of like let's say it's anxiety okay now there are Mm. there are many anxiety disorders you get generalized anxiety disorder you get panic disorder Phobic anxiety mm. disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, post-traumatic stress mm. disorder. Okay, mm. um, and mm. I would then like to sort of look at what are the causes of, let's say, your anxiety disorder. So, like, COVID nineteen is a threat to us, whether it's you know on a, a, a physical level, being worried, um, um, getting the disorder, or financial, or whatever. It's a threat out there. You know, so we are feeling threatened. And if we feel that like we can't fight or we can't flee, then we get stuck, you know, and that is often the depression. And sometimes it relates to other times in our life where we felt stuck, you know, in a threatening situation. So in this threatening situation, we might um, be more depressed than we would have, you know, so it almost becomes like a, a complex trauma sort of scenario, you know, yes, so, yes. so so it will would, would take a sort of a diagnosis, but the aim would be to change the thinking, and there, there are many methods of doing it, depending on mm. the therapist, um, so some therapists would do cognitive behavioral therapy, I do cognitive behavioral therapy, but in in hypnosis, okay, because I like okay. to talk to the subconscious mind and to change the patterns of thinking in the subconscious mind. Or I also like to do mindfulness training with people to help them be oh, yes. in the present moment and not in the future, mm-hmm. okay? And, and mm-hmm. the future is like lots of what if thinking. You know, yes. um, and unfortunately, it's always the negative that we think of in the future. It's 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 the negative. It's yes, it's mm. it's absolutely or in the past. You know, um, yeah. which then so future thinking, anxiety, past thinking, or stuck in past thinking, depression. You know, often. You know, mm. um, and um, and I've got specific trauma techniques that I do. One is BWRT, Brain Working Recursive Therapy, where we literally um, 
download a new new software into the brain so that you don't wow. continue to act in the present based on past patterns. Okay, so wow, that is so powerful. Yes. Don't continue to act in the present based on what you've experienced in the past. Absolutely. That is so powerful. Yes. That is so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. So mm-hmm. I just want to dive into so obviously we are working from home. You also mentioned that one that could be what um that could be one of the causes that um that one of the causes for mental illnesses, I mean, if you're working from home and you're not used to it and so on and Mm. so forth, we do it like our employers have been trying, you know, they've been doing webinars. I know my employer has, they have live workout sessions that they've, that they've organized, but Mm. I hardly attend them. I've never actually attended one because I never have time to actually attend it. So Mm. it was started quarter past four. At quarter past four, I'm probably getting into a client meeting. Mm. I just want to know what can corporates and basically people that are responsible for the work environments for so many multitudes, what can they do to promote mental wellness in the workplace? At at, at the moment. At the moment, Yes. yes. Well... Well, they can promote it, but I think as an employee, you must also make use of it. Okay, so, mm. so the whole webinar thing is 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 a good thing because because one can see each other, you know, and and I think it's it's um it's Im- important to see that other people are responding to you by looking at their faces and seeing facial expressions that are responding to you when they when they talk to you okay but also i I think smaller teams smaller teams need to you know um also get together like for a zoom meeting or 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 that sort of thing where you can talk or your closest colleague at work you know or Mm. one one, um zoom meetings between you and 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 maybe your manager you know where there's just Mm. that um let's just uh, uh um you know, sort of connect. Let's just connect with each yes. other and see how each other's doing and that sort of thing. Or, you know, mm. um, sessions with your friend at work, you know, the one that you go mm. for the coffee breaks with for the coffee breaks or do the lunch with or go for the smoke break with, you know, um, just for that sense of connection. And I think companies should promote that their employees do it. I, I think employees want to know that their companies care about them. So that is yes. what companies need to convey, and they can only convey that by connecting with their employees, mm. you know, asking how they are coping, mm. you know, listening to their concerns and their, you know, financial concerns maybe, and reassuring them, you know, that, that they remain part of this family, um, which is the mm. company, and that the company will do everything in their ability to, you know, to ensure just the well-being of the the individual employee. You know, mm, that is that. I hope they're listening and they take them mm. into account and they actually use them. Thank you for sharing that. My last question, I guess, surrounds substance abuse and mental health. Do you can you shed some light on? the correlation between the two and I guess when it becomes, when is it like mental wellness and when is it like an addiction? So I'm guessing just when you're using drugs, I mean, as a coping mechanism, I guess. Well, what type of drugs are you referring to? 
I don't know. I guess we can take we can talk about the healthy ones because some people get prescribed the healthy they get they get prescribed healthy drugs, like you know, and then eventually it becomes addiction addiction yeah. because then you can't live without. So I shared in my podcast my pre, um my previous episode that I was. I was prescribed, I was put on antidepressants Mm -hmm. by my doctor, but to date I haven't gone and bought and actually bought the prescription because I thought that, that I would have to rely on them forever. Mm -hmm. And the sound of that for me, Mm -hmm. it didn't sound, it didn't sound good because then I don't want to be relying on medication to feel okay for the rest of my life so I guess just demeaning that and saying so and then I guess there are people that actually go heavy on the substance abuse like you know the weed the cocaine I don't know like yes okay so so let's let's just let's talk about legal drugs you know okay like let's say your your antidepressants or, or or your um, anti-anxiety drugs. Okay, so mm-hmm. anti. Look, everything, every everything is addictive, physically. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if I have, mm. if I'm used to three cups of coffee a day, you know, um, if I suddenly stop, you know, I will feel some withdrawal symptoms. Okay, mm. <laughs> physically. Yeah, true, okay? true, true. So, so, but, but, but the, 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 the thing to be concerned about is the psychological addiction. Okay, so mm. antidepressants aren't psychologically addictive, and what they do is, is they, they rectify um, the balance of our neurotransmitters. Okay, mm. but if okay. I start, if I'm on antidepressants for a year and I just stop abruptly. I'm going to have with physical withdrawal symptoms. Okay, so mm-hmm. it's so it's not good for your body to stop any sort of medication. Well, like you know, antidepressants or coffee or cigarettes or mm-hmm. whatever it mm-hmm. might be abruptly. You know, but to wean yeah. yourself off. Okay, but that is just physically. Oh, okay. But one doesn't become psychologically addicted to them. When it comes to anxiety medication, you know, yes one becomes psychologically addicted to them, you know, in the same way that you would become psychologically addicted as well to alcohol, psychologically addicted to weed or cocaine or, or anything else. So, but there are times when I am so anxious, okay, that mm-hmm. I need to take, let's say, um, anti-anxiety medication and that is okay. But if I like use one tablet now and in a week I need to use two tablets and then I start using three tablets and four tablets, then it becomes Mm. a problem, you know. Mm. Um, But if I use it like, if if my anxiety is acute and and I use it for that period of time, okay, and Mm. then I say, okay, now I need to start weaning myself off of it because I'm actually feeling a bit better and life is going a bit better, that's great. Okay, so, but we have to handle that with care. Um, same goes for if I smoke weed, let's say once a weekend, you know, um, mm. suddenly it becomes every day and then it becomes three times a day and that is a problem, you know. So, yeah. And I mean, yeah. obviously drugs like cocaine and that sort of thing, that is just not good for us, period. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely not. Mm. It's definitely not. It, can, it can actually contribute to your anxiety. Absolutely. And, oh. Absolutely. Mm, thank you. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for taking your time to share with us. I mean, I think I ha- actually have one last question. I mean, you are always, I guess, the nature of your job is obviously ensuring that the world is okay. You are the you are the one responsible for most people functioning well. Mm-hmm. And I guess one thing that most people don't actually ask is if you are okay, um, how are you? Like when you are going through, let's say, um different um when you're going through struggles or even coping with COVID-19 how do you deal with it I mean you are an expert so I guess I want to ask how do you deal with it firstly how are you and secondly (laughs) and secondly how how do you deal with it as an expert okay so so what what I do is I do a lot of self-care you know I believe that's important for all of us to do. And and to me, self-care is setting time aside every day to do what I love, something that I love, yes. you know. And okay. when I do something I love, it's to do it mindfully, you know. So mm. I'll have that glass of special red wine sitting on my veranda outside, you know, or mm. I'll have that nice block of, you know, chocolate, you know, or soak mm. in a hot tub or that's all listen mindfully to music, but it must be something that I love, you know. And, mm-hmm. and another thing that I do is I, I create time for worry every day. So I don't allow myself to worry all the time, you know. Okay. So I would say, let's say I'm going to worry between 11 and 12 and then I'll worry. Okay. <laughs> and wow. If, yes, if a worrying thought comes up outside of that hour, I distract myself, you know, and I say, no, it's only nine o'clock now, but at 11 o'clock, I'll worry. I'll attend to you. <laughs> that is so fun. That and, is fun. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, yeah. And um, that is so. And there's another important thing also that I do, and that is if I've got questions, because when you're anxious, mm-hmm. one asks yourself a lot of questions. Okay, so I've got rules mm-hmm. about that too, you know. So, um, okay. I, because often when one worries, you, you don't answer your own question. You just questions, questions, questions. What if, what if, what if, you know? Um, mm. So I write my questions down. And it's not allowed to be what if questions because that's future questions. It is what mm-hmm. is questions, you know? So I can mm, say. So the present. Yeah, the present. So I can like say, um, what are the various options available to me now for generating an additional income? Okay, or what mm. strategies can I implement to save money? You know, not what if mm. I lose my job or what if I don't, you know. And yeah, um, money in the future. Yeah, and then mm. I answer those questions. I write it down and I answer those questions, you know, and, and that helps me to to feel very calm, you know. Oh, that is so powerful. Thank you for that. I'll be I'll I'll definitely be um um uh taking some of those and applying myself. Like set aside time for worry. And if it comes out of that time frame, within that time range, I'll just be like, nope, I don't have time for you. I'll see you at 11 o'clock. <laughs> but it is very helpful. No, thank you very much for taking your time to share with us today. Um, I don't know, do you just want to share with the different um, way we can find you if we want to get therapy? If that's how it works at all. Oh, you, you can go to my um, website. It is www.healingthemind, 
healingthemind.com. Yes. I'll, I'll also put it when we post the episode. I'll just um, tag it there and then okay. share with the rest of the people. But okay. thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for taking time to it, share with us. It was lovely talking to you. And have a lovely day. Okay. All the best. You too. Thank, thank you. you.